Aquí está, recién nacida, ya cuenta mil senderos. Here she is, newly born and already with a thousand paths. This is how Nobel laureate Gabriela Mistral described her homeland. How did this Chile become a mining success story? I'm Osa Boshian and this is High Grade. This is High Grade. You think you're rich, uh, but in reality you're not rich. The resource curse theory takes a short-run phenomenon and projects it to a long-run outcome. The most important drivers of investment are the quality of the resource, the infrastructure that's available, and the governance environment. Industrial development accelerates the speed of social change. Creative destruction, people losing, people winning. What we need to fix is politics, not the resources. Chile has often been praised as an example of how to use natural resources to foster economic growth. So, what is the secret? Our guest today has had a remarkable trajectory at the top of Chile's copper industry. Diego Hernández Cabrera is former CEO of Codelco, BHP Chile and Antofagasta Minerals and is currently president of the National Mining Society. Diego is joining me today to explore the past and future of Chile's mining sector. Diego, welcome to the Natural Resources Podcast. Thank you, Asad. You have a long and distinguished career in mining. What have been the most notable changes in the industry since your early days? Well, many changes in all these years. Uh, the scale of the mining industry increase a lot. Mm. Same kind of equipment, but bigger and bigger capacities. That's one big change. The other one is that uh, usually mines are in remote places. We used to have two stakeholders only, the, the company and the authority. Mm. Now we are in a world of multiple stakeholders and we had to learn to live with that much more integrated to the local economies than what we used to be and let's then move on and look at chile and the success story that that is um, starting in the 70s chile has gone through a process of mineral development that has seen the country become the top global copper producer in your view, what has been the secret of that success? Well, in the 20th century, we had uh, three mines and one project that, that were quite important, run by American companies. Mm. And uh, these mines were nationalized in 71. And uh, it's when Codelco, the, the state company uh, was uh, created and, of course, was in charge to run these four mines. So after that, uh, we didn't see too much foreign investment in Chile for, for a while. And then uh, the, they create three tools that were quite important to build the new wave of mining companies in Chile that start really in, in 91, with the beginning of production of Escondida Mine. And, and these were the, a mining code that granted the, the property of the mining rights. Uh, then uh, 
a special law that allowed the state of Chile to have contracts, investment contracts with foreign investors that granted the tax invariability for a certain period, 12, 14 years. And, uh, and then also uh, an effort to attract foreign investment from the, the Chilean government. These three elements were key to, to start mm. uh, a lot of investment. Uh, in, 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 in 91, Chile was producing 1, 1.6 million tons of coal per year, and mainly Codelco. And uh, in 2004, we reached 5.4 million tons of, of copper per year. That's really what allowed us to, to grow. Some people argue that Chile's success can be traced back to the early days and the role of the public sector. You mentioned Codelco. However, it was the private involvement that followed that consolidated the country's position as a top mining destination with mines such as Escondida, El Teniente. So what has been the role of the public and private sector in Chile's success story? You know, in Chile, you, we, we need to respect our history. In the 19th century, Chile had a lot of private mining investors, mm. locals and foreigners. But early 20th century is when... Uh, there was a technological breakthrough uh, created in the States, in, 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 in USA, that was the development of, of grinding and flotation, mm -hmm. uh, the flotation process that allowed to mine the porphyry coppers that at, before that they were not economic. They developed these this four mines in Chile, uh, starting with El Teniente in 1910, uh, and then Chuquicamata, and on the 30s, Salvador, and, uh, Potrerillos, and, and finally uh, Andina. And as a result of that, the local investors could not participate on that because they didn't have the capex, they didn't have the technology. The only expectation of the country vis-a-vis -vis these enclaves uh, were taxes and foreign currency. Mm. And that create kind of belief that mining meant taxes. Then in, in 71, the mines were nationalized. The same happened in other countries, in DRC, in Congo at the time, in Zambia, and, and in Peru. And in Chile, they created Codelco, and, and the state uh, took over the, the, that company. Uh, and we were successful because we have uh, the, the, the engineers at the time uh, that could take over that, and, and it worked well. In the other countries, it didn't work as well. And then it was quite tough to, to attract again foreign investors. But the fact that we have a state company that today produces around 30% of Chilean cover satisfy the idea of the people that believe that... Uh, mining companies should be in hand of the state. And at the same time, the 70% the, the that is produced by private companies, international and some local, uh, satisfy the other side. <laughs> I think that, that also these three segments 
state investment, local private investment, and foreign uh, private investment uh, allowed us to capture a lot of synergies. Mm-hmm. Each side uh, brought something to, to the party. Codelco had experienced workers. Um, they they contributed a lot on marketing of concentrates and, and, and copper cathodes. The foreign companies, of course, they brought uh, technology, they brought uh, know-how, they brought also some uh, working practices like uh, safety. They put a lot of money on exploration and, and found newer bodies. Um, and, and then Codelco took advantage of that also, the technology and, and the new ideas. Um, and, and the local private investors, well, they are present in the small miners that produce around 1% of, of the Chilean copper, the medium-sized miners that, that produce around 4%. And the balance, 30% is Codelco, and the balance is uh, the, the, the big mining companies, including a Chilean one that is Antofagasta PLC. And alongside 50 years of geological success, Chile has outperformed its peers in economic growth. The country is often praised as a good example of how to use natural resources to underpin development. How did such a renowned institutional governance materialize? I think that the basis is what I mentioned, a good mining code non-discrimination between foreign investment, state investment, and and local investment. Chile is a small country. For us, uh, it has been very important to to be more global, and globalization helped us to to develop the country. On the last 10 years, mining counts for around 14% of GDP in average. Mm. But if you consider the money that it's recirculated in, 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 in the country in salaries and services and others, uh, probably we can conclude that, that mining counts for around 20% of GDP. Then the country should have been much different without mining, but still it's difficult for people to understand. And now we are going through a difficult period that eventually could put in jeopardy all what we have built. Mm. And we will come back to that. But it, it, it is an interesting question what the perception of the industry is. It's so important to the economy, but is it is it a liked industry? I think that we, what we say perhaps to justify ourselves is that we are not good communicators. Mm-hmm. In our business, we, we produce commodities, then we don't need to to have uh, to do a lot of things to convince our clients uh, it's uh, you produce and automatically you 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 can sell it the other point is that uh, of course in the past mining um, had a lot of uh, environmental liabilities uh, all these investments done in chile since the late 80s until now has been done according to the best environmental practice worldwide at the time, then now we're in a much better shape. But still we carry a kind of stigma that that we destroy nature and so on. And Chile has also achieved a relatively high levels of economic diversification. Was this 
policy induced or did it just happen? The policy, in very general terms, uh, has been that we should uh, develop the economy in sectors where we have competitive advantages. And, and of course, mining is, is one, forestry, wines, fruit. And that's something that, that has worked quite well. Some people don't like that because we, they say we depend too much on exports. Uh, but, but certainly to build a, a big uh, industrial park here like car manufacturers or any, anything like that uh, doesn't make sense because we have a very small local market. How does mining interact with the rest of the economy? Or in other words, has mining been a catalyst of non-mining development? Certainly, because that's one of the difficult the, the difficult things to explain. Because if we go back to last century when we had these four uh, mines, copper mines, they were enclaves and not very related to local economy for obvious reasons, because at the time the country didn't have too many things to offer to those mines in terms of technology, service companies, and so on and so forth. And, and now it's completely different. The, the, the mining industry in Chile is totally integrated to local economy. For instance, we can produce our own engineers that are uh, world-class. They could work in any other country in similar positions. We have a lot of service companies to the mining industry. And what is very important is that because the mining industry is so big in the country and is world-class, we bring technology to the country that then can be used in, in, in other industries, others than mining, mm. like automation, uh, remote control, and, and all of that. And that you disseminate that to other industries. Uh, then, then certainly we have been a vehicle to, to improve and, and to bring technology to the country. If you just tuned in, we're talking with industry nester Diego Hernández Cabrera. For 50 years, mining has been at the center of the Chilean economy. How did Chile become the world's top copper producer? Well, Diego has singled out three developments that paved the path to industry success. A mining code granting property rights to private investors. A foundational law securing fiscal stability and, more generally, an active effort to attract foreign investment. Looking forward, will Chile retain its status as a top mining investment destination? Let's move on then and look at the current challenges. Mining is a cyclical industry, and for some time now, the national industry has been facing structural challenges and risks, including underinvestment, declining productivity, rising labor costs, high energy costs, and increasingly water stress. How does the industry resolve this conundrum? Well, in our case, Many of these mines started to, to produce on the 90s and then 2000s. Just to put dates, from, from 91, when we produced 1.6 million tons of copper, to 2004, with a lot of investment, we 
increased production to 5.4 million tons per year. Mm. And from 2005 until now, with more investment in, in nominal terms that we invested on the first period, we increased production only from 5.4 to 5.8 million tons of copper per year. And the reason is that uh, in porphyry coppers, you have the best grades on the top of their bodies. Then when you mine, you, you, you go from secondary sulfides to primary sulfides and so on, and the grade decreases. Mm. In 2008, 2009, the average grade was 1%. Today is 0.67% in average. Then for us, it's, it's very important to improve our productivity, to, to have our industry still competitive worldwide. And the only way to do that is incorporating innovation and technology, automation and many other things. In, in, in Chile, uh, on the MIG mines, local miners, the operators, they have similar salaries than what you can find in the States, Australia, or Canada, in similar positions. But our productivity is close to half of the productivity on those three other countries. Then we have a problem there that we need to solve. And uh, the pandemic forced us to adopt more innovation. For instance, uh, many mines used to have uh, automatic control in, in their plants. And with the pandemic, we were forced to do it. Huh? Mm. Then it has been quite important, this pandemic, in a way. And the authority also were much open to allow that, for instance, in terms of working schedules, mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the rosters and so on, in a way that, that uh, we could organize us and, and, and the mining industry in Chile was successful in keeping production at the same pace, irrespective of the pandemic. Talk to me about water. This is another big challenge for the industry. How do you mine successfully with mounting water stress? Chile will be and is being affected a lot by climate change. Hmm. Then uh, uh, we, we have problems now of water. Uh, we, we have gone through a long period of, of drought. And as a result of that, uh, we have had a lot of pressure on the past uh, to reduce our water consumption. In total, in Chile, uh, mining industry today, we consume less than 4%, probably around 3.2% of the, the, the water that is consuming in the country. What we have done is, uh, in, in areas in northern Chile, where is a desert, uh, we, we were forced to start uh, desalinating water from the sea and, and pump that to some of the companies, because there is no more uh, underground water available. I would say that, in general, mining industry in Chile uh, has invested a lot on that, and, and is less and less dependent of continental water for an additional cost and an additional investment. But, but that's the solution that we have chosen, and, and I would say that that is the trend for the future. The widespread social unrest of 2019 has left a deep mark in the Chilean society. How do you read these events? What is it fundamentally about? 
It's uh, very unexpected. There is a lot of reasons for that. Uh, some uh, probable, probably some social inequality. Uh, we build uh, uh, an emerging middle class. When you, you are there, you have more expectations. And, and these expectations, probably the country didn't manage that the way uh, we should have managed. And, uh, and, and it creates some uh, unsatisfaction. And, and that, that was part of the, of the unrest. Uh, many other reasons... One, for instance, is that, that uh, the number of people going to university uh, grew a lot. Uh, then you create uh, a lot of expectation because, of course, education is, is in Chile is considered as the main tool for social mobility. Mm. And after all that effort, uh, you have a graduate in your family for the first time in your family, and finally he cannot find a better job than, than, than his parents. Mm. Finally, politicians decide to have a new constitution. And will the constitutional changes impact the mining industry, do you think? Could be, huh? but mm. hope not. <laughs> and it's very difficult to say, look, in mining, don't, don't change anything. Because people want to change everything. Mm. Then it's very difficult to defend the status quo. But I would say that it's very important, the mining code... Uh, and, and some characteristics of the mining codes uh, that, that should be kept in a way that a long-term investor like you have in mining. On the other hand, uh, uh, I think that, that one of the main, uh, very important things post-pandemia, hopefully starting next year, uh, is, to, to, is the economic recovery of the country like many other countries. And, and, and of course, we need investment for that. Mm. And, and mining investment could be really very important on that economic recovery. Speaking of change, Chile has long been praised for the stability of its investment terms, um, which has made it a most desirable investment destination, as we've talked about. But today, the country is flirting with changes to its mineral tax structure. Why is that? That, that is explained uh, on the 20th century. The only expectation that, that uh, people had and politicians had vis-à-vis -vis mining, uh, foreign investments was uh, taxes. And they don't see that today the mining industry is so integrated to the local economy that even if you have a mining company that is not was paying little taxes because they are not doing well because, for instance, it's a mature mine, they are at the end of the life of the mine and grades are low and so on. If you put an ad valorem royalty, you will take them out of business. Hmm. For a lot of people, it's very difficult to understand all these conditions. And, and some politicians believe that uh, because in Chile we have a royalty, but it's a royalty on the operating margin. It's not a royalty on ad valorem. Then some people, because of dogma, they believe that uh, it should be ad valorem. We are going through that discussion, and it's difficult to predict what will happen with this new royalty. Mm. Final question. Are you fundamentally optimistic or pessimistic about the future of Chile's um, mining industry? 
Well, when you work on mining, and I've worked on mining all my life, mm. you have a bias. You need to, to be optimistic. Yeah. Diego, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Hasa, for the opportunity. And thank you for joining Highgrade and these Natural Resources podcasts. It's been a pleasure to talk with Diego to explore the fortunes and misfortunes of Chile's mighty mining sector. A key takeaway for me, past success has not been down to the state or to the private sector, but rather to the active synergies between them. The industry is now at a crossroad. And the Chilean society has made it clear that it expects to see more tangible benefits from it. Will it succeed? I would expect so, but only time will tell. As always, thank you to our sponsors, the German Federal Ministry for Economic Cooperation and Development through BGR. Make sure to subscribe to our channel on whichever podcast platform you are using. Until next time, so long. So long.